0: This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Welcome to day six of NFL Free Agency. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And I am joined by the man who is the owner, the editor, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com. And of course, he is a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbley. Chris, what's going on, man?
1: You know, just big deal in it. <laughs> just things starting to wind down a little bit. So I'm, I'm just big deal in it.
0: It's just kind of what you do in your life, Chris. There's no other way you can operate other than to be a very big deal because it's the life that you were groomed for and it's the life that you live every single day. And so being a very big deal, I have to say I'm a little disappointed that when we were going through the Jets news and notes, we missed one yesterday. Neville Hewitt back on a one-year deal.
1: Yeah, uh, a little bit less of a big deal. (laughs) <laughs> um, but uh you know neville hewitt was a was a pretty good productive player in the small role he played he can definitely help on special teams too can do a little bit of coverage stuff too he's got some good speed there so it's it's a solid uh you know death signing there uh you know pr- uh, that also plays into the jets ability to move on from darren lee though um so th- there's a lot of more parts there but it's a solid deal but it's Definitely not a very big deal.
0: It certainly isn't, but it doesn't mean anything positive for Darren Lee for sure because that's more depth. At that position that he plays and seems to indicate that the Jets are loading up to get rid of Darren Lee. I would assume they're going to shop him and try and at least get something for him. And Chris, like we were saying, I don't think they're going to get a lot. But if they do want to move on from him, I'm sure that they could at least get a late round draft pick because Lee is still young and he's on a rookie deal. So you could get him and you know he has at least some talent and he's only going to cost you $2 million. It's not the worst move in the world.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I could definitely see a, a team, like we talked about, saying that the Jets have uh, been using him wrong, they feel confident they could use him better. But at the, at the same time, just, you see Antonio Brown only went for a three and a five for a reason, because the entire world knew that the Steelers were, needed to move on from him. They needed to move on from him by, you know, March 17th, so he, they didn't have to pay, and so that drastically lowered his value. I think any team that's interested in trading for Darren Lee knows that the Jets would be looking to move for him so they don't they wouldn't have to uh you know even if they were willing to they wouldn't have to give up a high pick for him so I can't imagine them getting anything of value for him there
0: Let's talk a little bit of contract news here because the details have come out on Brian Poole's one-year deal. It's $2 million guaranteed at time of signing, plus he could earn another $500,000 in playing time bonuses. So the max value is $3.5 He gets $2 million guaranteed, and it's a $3 million base deal. Not terrible on a one-year deal for a 27-year-old slot corner who's nothing special, but he's a suitable replacement for Buster Screen. And then the numbers came out on Daryl Roberts. It looks like only the first year is guaranteed, and then after that, the Jets could get out of the contract fairly easily. I want to talk about these two and then the general strategy that Mike McCagnin seems to be employing here, which is that he is backloading a lot of these contracts. We'll get into the specifics of how he's backloading them later in the week once you've had more time to look at this, Chris. But it's an interesting trend, and it suggests to me that he's looking to do something else here in free agency.
1: Yeah, it's, it, it is absolutely interesting because with how much money they had, um it's it is weird to see all of these contracts being backloaded with all you know This cj mosley Le'Veon on bell all these guys they're getting the least amount of money on the cat uh, in this year the first year and they have all this money to spend so you would think that they would be trying to at least front front load one or two of these but then you can also look at it as going into free agency they had we've talked about this it was a, you know Very few, it was really only Tremaine Johnson and Quincy and Unwa that weren't on rookie contracts that would be on, still on the payroll these next coming years. Um... So there's still a lot of flexibility there. Whatever cap money they don't use this year can get rolled over into the following years. And then, so maybe the looking at it like, okay, well we can give them bigger cap hits in uh, 2020, 2021, and then roll over. And I know how much to, I can work around it very easily. And he could just keep doing this in perpetuity forever. And, uh, and it can work, but it is an interesting strategy. and it does, make you think that maybe they're trying to you know make a big trade or a power move keep space open there um it it definitely gives that possibility there but it's interesting because like i said if if i was doing it and you know with based on just the information we have now assuming they don't go make a couple big trades, I would probably be trying to front load at, at least a couple of these guys, and that way you can spread it out more, because it seems weird to be paying all of these guys the most amount of cap space in year three of the deal or something.
2: While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress, and that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep.
0: Chris, a couple of deals that got done that don't directly involve the Jets, but there was speculation that the Jets might be in on these guys. Now they are off the market. Ronald Darby goes back to Philly on a one-year deal. I know a lot of people were hoping that the Jets would sign him to be an outside corner. And Bryce Callahan signs for three years, $21 million with the Broncos. I think once Brian Poole was signed, everybody should have realized that Callahan wasn't coming here. Chris, as far as Darby goes, it sounds like he just wanted to go back to Philly, but I think reality should be setting in for Jets fans that Daryl Roberts at this moment is going to be the penciled-in starter and somebody else is going to have to beat him out. Otherwise, it's going to be him, whether it's a draft pick or Derek Jones or somebody like that. It looks like at this moment, Daryl Roberts has to be the heavy favorite to be the starting corner opposite Tremaine Johnson, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Now, again, this his... Cap hit his contract isn't so uh, prohibitive that it would stop them from, you know, pulling off like we talked about yesterday a trade for a Trey Wayne's or something like that. Um, and maybe maybe they're thinking that, and then they have Roberts as that the backup plan there, and then worst case scenario he's depth, so that there could be something there. But I think it was obvious from the Daryl Roberts signing, especially once we got the contract numbers, that they weren't going to go and sign a Ronald Darby. Uh, you know, when the pre-agency opened up, I thought that that was a possibility, but it became obvious pretty quickly that they weren't going to go out and spend on on Darby or any of the top corners on the market. Again, again, after what happened with Trumaine Johnson this year, I just don't think they were confident and felt good enough about any of the available top corners on the market to risk paying them a big contract and then risk Trumain having a similar year last year, and then you're overpaying for two starting corners. I I just don't think that they were willing to do that, and I think that was pretty obvious from like day two of free agency.
0: Another guy that had been on the mouths of a lot of Jets fans was Shaq Barrett, the pass rusher, who had looked good in situations but had never really broken out. Some people thought that he might be one of those low risk, high reward type of guys if you give him a one year deal. Well, that was what the Buccaneers thought. So he goes to join the Jets' ex-head coach, Todd Bowles, and his defense down in Tampa. One year, $5 million. This is an interesting one, Chris, because this is somebody that the Jets definitely could have taken a stab at. They certainly have a need at pass rush. And we're going to get into this in the mailbag because a lot of people asking a lot of questions about what's going on with the pass rush. But are you surprised the Jets didn't try to make an offer here?
1: No, I'm I'm still the, – the surprise to me is still Justin Houston. Um, is, is, everything you said about Shaq Garrett is right, and I am uh, – I was a big fan of him coming out. I thought he would be better, but, like, every year we see these types of guys get – you know, people roll the dice on them, and they almost never will <laughs> because they are what they are, and, uh, you know, like you said, he's somebody – who, who can do some good things and can help situation, situationally, but he's not an answer there. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like a, uh, even less a poor man's Dante Fowler, even so like, you know, okay, sure. I'm, you know, you, you, no one's going to really knock the bucks for that one year, 5 million deal for it. And they shouldn't. And the jets obviously could have done that. It, I'm not going to sit here and say that it would have been ridiculous for them to do, it doesn't surprise me that they didn't go in that direction. I'm still a little bit shocked about a player like Justin Houston being out there. But again, I'm, I'm shocked that he doesn't seem to be getting more interest from all the other teams as well.
0: And that is going to be touched on in the mailbag because we had a lot of questions about Justin Houston. But before we get to the mailbag, one last order of business. Blaine Gabbard out in Tennessee. He was released. He had been Marcus Mariota's backup. That is because the Titans have a new backup. Mr. Ryan Tannehill, a guy that is very familiar to Jets fans. We had talked about the possibility of Tannehill coming here to back up Darnold if he had been released and the price tag was reasonable. Well, the price tag is going to be reasonable for Tennessee. Now, don't get me wrong. They gave up a decent draft pick here. They give up a 4th rounder next year and a 7th rounder this year to get Ryan Tannehill and a 6th rounder this year very similar to the deal that the Jets made for Tim Tebow so maybe that's an omen I'm not sure but here's the reason that they did it first of all we know that Marcus Mariota gets hurt all the time so they needed a capable backup second of all Ryan Tannehill fits perfectly into that system because he's kind of a similar style quarterback to Mariota and number three the Dolphins out of the seven million dollars that's guaranteed to Tannehill are paying five million dollars so the Titans get Tannehill essentially on a glorified one year two million dollar deal for a backup with as much experience and production. As Tannehill brings to the table. Especially with an often injured starter. That's a good deal. And it's definitely worth it for the Titans.
1: Yeah I actually think that's probably a perfect place. For Tannehill. And uh, you know I talked about this with Le'Veon Bell. How Le'Veon Bell is more valuable. To the Jets than he would be. To most other teams. And uh, so obviously. The the Dolphins also talked about this at the end. They, they wanted to get rid of him. And move on. Um, but. You look at Tannehill, and obviously there was a lot of the jokes being made about, uh, oh, now they got another receiver for Mariota. But uh, you look at Mariota, the inconsistent as inconsistent as he's been, the injuries he's had. Basically, it just seems like okay, start Mariota until he gets hurt, and then you can start Tannehill until he gets hurt, and just keep rotating from there and there. Maybe it'll be kind of like the Bucks last year with Jameis and Fitzpatrick going back and forth. But the Titans are a team. Even with Mariota's inconsistencies, they're a team nobody likes to watch. They play a really ugly, boring style of football, but they're always right in playoff contention every year or if they either get in or they just miss. So if Mariota gets hurt, then they have a competent backup, more than a competent backup, somebody who might be one of the best backups in the league there. So they can throw him in there. They're very similar players. They're players with a very low ceiling um you know and especially if if, uh they they make a lot of their plays get a lot of production with their legs so it's an easy system there but the big news is how this fits the jets is that the jets better get two wins uh two free wins from their games against miami next year because uh luke falk isn't scaring anybody The, the dolphins are definitely tanking they wanted to see uh you know Get rid of Tannehill because Tannehill is a little too good for the tank, If he, especially if he ends up staying healthy. So they paid to move on from him so they don't have to sit there and wonder, is he the guy or isn't he for – the 17th straight year, slight exaggeration, but the, the Jets better get two free wins from Miami next year. Otherwise, that's going to be a problem.
3: Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hoopin' with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: This is the Overtime Podcast Network couple of thoughts here. In addition to Tannehill being a good fit for Tennessee, I think Tennessee is a good fit for Tannehill because he walks into a situation with a starter who's in the last year of his contract, and we don't know for sure that Tennessee is going to want to pony up for Mariota because he had a nice first two years, and he's really regressed the last two. Injuries have taken their toll. And Chris, as you and I were talking about off the air, when he doesn't have his legs at full capacity, he's not the same player, so they may decide that they don't want to move forward with him, and if Tannehill gets a chance to play, and odds are he will because Mariota gets hurt every year, if he looks good, then it could be that Tennessee decides to roll with him for a little bit, or... He looks good to other teams, and he has a chance to start in 2020. So I think that works out for both sides. And as far as what you were saying with the Dolphins, absolutely. If the Jets don't get two wins over the Dolphins this year, when the Dolphins are clearly tanking now, it's an embarrassment. Luke Falk, who I actually liked coming out of Washington because I thought that he could at least turn into a serviceable backup. If you're rolling him out there as your starter, I don't know. Listen, there still could be a move down the line. Maybe the Dolphins surprise everybody and move up for a quarterback in the draft. But I think that at this moment, it looks like the Dolphins are going full speed ahead with the tank. And if that's the case, the Jets need to get two wins against them this year. No excuses, especially since I would assume that Adam Gase would be very fired up to beat up his former team. With that said, Chris, let's jump into the mailbag. And boy, do we have a lot of questions on this Saturday. Let's start with Greg Armstrong, our boy over at TurnOnTheJets.com. He wants to know what your favorite song was on Le'Veon Bell's mixtape. Now, I have no answer for this because I didn't actually listen to much beyond the first couple of minutes, and I thought it was terrible. What did you think, Chris? the
1: uh, favorite track's got to be Gas On E, just, just, for, the, uh, just for the title alone. Uh, And that's something that's something I think we can all relate to, whether we're talking about your actual gas tank or just the energy level and your life at certain points. So that so that gets it right there. Uh, But then also they all pretty much sound the same. So it's hard to really differentiate. That's why I went with the title.
0: Makes sense to me. It's all about branding and the title is what draws people in. So that is a very acceptable choice. For best song on the mixtape Moving along to the next question This one comes in from our friend Tyson Roush Over at Let's Talk Jets And also writer at jets.com He wants to know if the new uniforms Are going to make Le'Veon Bell run faster Probably not but you never know <laughs>
1: it, 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 We haven't seen them yet It depends on, on how they look I mean who knows you, know, you uh look good play good as they say right so if the, the jets if the jerseys are fire and they love them, then uh no 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 they won't make him he's plenty fast as it is so i i think uh it does it doesn't matter he'll jets fans will enjoy watching him play regardless of the jerseys
0: I think Le'Veon Bell will be fine, regardless of what the jerseys look like. But that's just a hunch. Next question comes in from Adam Simmons, who keeps talking about wanting to have me on his podcast, yet I don't see any invitation. It must have gotten (laughs) lost in the mail. Adam has a question that has to only be for you, based on what he's asking. He wants to know what it's like to be a very big deal.
1: Listen, I didn't choose this life. This life chose me. (laughs) Uh, You know, I... It, it's just I, I'm just used to it. It's I don't even notice it. It's just, you know, it, it is what it is. I, I like I forget about it all the time because it's just it's just my natural state of being.
0: This one is really funny. It comes in from NY Jets Nation ninety eight. He wants to know: Do you think Mike Francesa should take over the Jets because he's clearly doing a great job running the Giants? <laughs> yeah,
1: that one took me out. And and Francesa has been on a roll lately. Even like I saw his uh him and Snacks going back and forth at it, and like obviously Jets fans are familiar with Snacks and his tweeting habits. But like, man, Mike, just just stop. Just you have to. Stop. Stop, man! Like I don't know <laughs> what he's doing. Just uh, go back to retiring. Like I, I, I know he holds a special place and uh, a lot of uh, fans' hearts on both Jets and Giants fans because he was around for so long and it was it was him in this area for so long. But he is senile. It doesn't even make any sense. Uh, the, the everything about what he's doing right now is nuts. But yeah, that uh, that tweet definitely made me cackle really hard.
0: He's not even trying anymore is really what it no. boils down to. He always had insane takes and he was always rude and nasty and angry and bitter and arrogant and all that. But at least he made it entertaining. Now it's just people are listening so that they can hear what stupid thing he says that's so detached from everything and then they can dunk on him on twitter or just make fun of him in some other way it's kind of sad to see it go that way for mike francesa but if he didn't want to put in the work he probably shouldn't have come back the funny thing is you all know that him coming back was an ego trip because somebody at wfan insulted him and he decided oh yeah well i'll show you and so that's why he came back and i think he just missed the fact that nobody cared about his opinions anymore now that he wasn't on air and that's how it goes when he didn't have have that platform anymore and he realized that he wasn't the great mike francis anymore he decided he had to get back in so that people would listen to his opinions but we'll see what happens with this app if he's smart he'll start adding better content to it because i would never subscribe to that thing but the people that i know that do first of all they should probably get a mental health screening but yeah. second of all <laughs> why this... do you
1: hate yourselves like so much i don't
0: know I really don't understand that level of self-hatred. But they also tell me that there's not much in the way of content there. So he might want to step up his game if he wants a few more subscribers.
3: Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint
0: How do you think the Jets will address the void opposite Tremaine Johnson at corner? I know they re-signed Daryl Roberts, but I'm not sure if he can be a consistent starter. The answer to this is he probably can't be a consistent starter, but get used to seeing him as the starter. Because I think that what's going to happen here is they're going to have guys like Derek Jones compete. And they may sign a guy that gets cut after June 1st, and maybe they draft a guy in the mid to late rounds. But Roberts is going to be the favorite, as we talked about, Chris, going into the preseason, going into training camp. And I think that he's going to end up being the second starting cornerback this year. And look, as much as I don't like him starting, Rome wasn't built in a day. They had to add impact pieces And so, if C.J. Mosley kept them from getting a long-term solution at corner, or if they looked and didn't see a long-term solution at corner out there in the free agency market, it's all right. We went into this realizing that they were going to have to fill a lot of spots over the next two years, and so that'll be one of them that they will have to target heavily in 2020, whether it's in the draft, and they go all in to draft a big-time corner, or it's in free agency.
1: Yeah, absolutely. They, They had so many holes and so few players they could count on that there was just no way no possibility that they could address them all they had to get the best players they could the most impact players and work from there and uh you know pick and choose and again the market this and free agent market for corners wasn't great this year and they didn't think you know the derbys are were worth taking that gamble um you know of course I, you should be skeptical about a Roberts, a Roberts ability to be a consistent starter out there, but the jets are, are an, a, a full believer in that obviously, otherwise he probably would have gotten a little bit more money. So, you know, right now he's obviously got to be the favorite there. I a hundred percent expect that at, you know, training camp cuts they'd probably try to pick somebody up again i i definitely won't rule out the possibility of them looking into a trade for somebody and then of course you know maybe they it, it, depending on who's there maybe uh Julian Love from Notre Dame is available in the third round still uh i from what i've seen uh, people have him around there i think he's a little bit, bit player there uh but if somebody there is available in the third round maybe they do that and then he can come and compete and then, like you said, Derek Jones is there too, who had a solid training camp these preseason. Uh, so maybe he can take the next step and then end up beating out Daryl Roberts. But like I've said all along, this this contract shows that they're they're comfortable worst case scenario with Daryl Roberts as the starter for this year, and uh, you know, and best case scenario, he can be a backup for this year and uh, really good depth there.
0: This one comes in from Kerry Burkhardt. He says, I see that Darquez Denard and Timmy Jernigan are both still out there. Of course, Denard, a cornerback, and Jernigan, a defensive tackle. Both are relatively young at 26 and 27, and they could possibly help the Jets in areas where they really need depth. Do you think McCagnan and the Jets will have any interest? I think it's possible, depending on what the price tag is, after all the smoke clears over the next week or two, if they're still hanging around, but I don't think they're going to treat going after either one of those as some sort of pressing issue.
1: No, and uh, especially Turnigan is uh, uh, Jernigan. I just combined first and last name. Um, especially him, is they just re-signed McClendon. Obviously that, and we talked about this when they did. That's not going to really prevent them from getting somebody else at defensive inside there on the line. But uh, I don't. I just don't see it. If, like you said, if he's hanging around long enough and they can get him a good enough deal, sure. Uh, Darquez Denard's a little bit more. Uh, he was somebody I was. really 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 high on coming out of college so I, I was a little off there because he has not played nearly as well as I expected um you know I have I haven't uh, I studied his first couple of years I, I haven't looked at him closely last year but again you look at the way that they have uh, approached this cornerback market the names that they have considered I just I just don't see them trying to make a big a big play or any type of play really for somebody like that right now.
0: This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Next question comes in from one of my favorite guys, Gus Toon. He wants to know, any chance this team brings back Lorenzo Malden? He's been working really hard and is in the best shape of his life. I admire Malden. I love his drive. I love the fact that he has an incredible personal story. And I was rooting for him when he was here. But the fact of the matter is, he's just really not that good of a football player. And I don't really see any value to bringing him back.
1: Yeah, either do I, and I don't think the Jets do either. Um, you know, the Jets there was there was a lot of moving parts with him too, um, and he just he never developed any type of uh, type of moves, any type of technique. He was uh, fast, but that's about it. And uh, you know, he it's not like he was out of shape when he was here. So him being in quote unquote the best shape of his life, which you know players always say. Um, well, just once I want to hear a player come out and be like, you know, I'm not in the best shape of my life, but I'm still in pretty good shape. <laughs> just once I want to hear a player come out and say that. Um, but yeah, I just, I just don't see it. You know, I honestly, I don't see anybody really picking them up, but, uh, I I definitely don't see the jets bringing him back.
0: I hope he gets another shot, whether it's in the NFL or the XFL or the AAF, but I hope he gets a chance to play again and good luck to him. Hopefully it yeah. works out. I wish nothing but the best for him, but I don't see the Jets having very much interest. Next question comes in from Jay Roca. He wants to know, how do you think the Jets would feel about Bosa if he falls in the draft and ends up being available at number three? I would suspect that if Nick Bosa is there at number three, Mike McCagnin is doing a happy dance in the Jets' war room, and he immediately picks up the phone and calls to the draft and tells whoever is there representing the team Go run up and give them the card before somebody that picked at number one or number two changes their mind. Is that about what you would think they would do?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Now, the the only hesitation I could see and possibly having is being like,
0: well, let's see if I
1: can get a huge hole for them. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and especially because, again, they had so many needs. That if you could get like, you know, a, a top 10 a trade with somebody still in the top 10, get a first next year and a third this year or something, something along those lines, maybe they start to consider it. But uh, if, if they're picking a player there, and uh, again, I've I've been talking about this since the combine, it doesn't seem like people are as in love with, with uh, Haskins and Drew Locke as a lot of people or expecting that, you know, every year we have, every year the quarterbacks climb up and get overdrafted. And yes, that's true. But I don't think people are too in love with those guys. I don't think too many people are going to be trying to trade up to three for those guys. Somebody would be willing to trade up for Bosa and, you know, look at what the saints gave up to trade up for Marcus Davenport last year. And that was at like 19 or whatever their, their pick was, uh, so maybe somebody would, and that would be the only thing hes- hesitating there. And uh, yeah, otherwise, McKagan would be super happy. And then we could get back into the argument about another uh, player falling into uh, McKagan's lap about so he can make the obvious pick at the top of the draft.
0: This one comes in from Mike Trelano. He wants to know, would you be willing to trade the number three overall pick to Seattle for their first rounder and Frank Clark in a tag and trade deal? I wouldn't, however, I would be willing to do a deal similar to what the 49ers did for D. Ford. So a 2020 second rounder or a third rounder in 2019, I would absolutely be willing to give that up for Frank Clark. But I will add this caveat. I don't think Mike McKagan would make a deal like that, even if Frank Clark were available, because we know how he feels about guys that have had issues with domestic violence.
1: Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I was going to give basically the same same answer you gave. Uh, you know, if if I have to give up the number three pick for Frank Clark, then uh, I might as well just wait and see if I can get Nick Bosa or uh, Josh Allen with those picks. If I if you're really going for the pass rusher, um, because you, you obviously you have to trade for him and then give him a contract, and but. What you and I would do, it doesn't matter here. It's irrelevant because I don't think Mike McCagney's doing that. And, uh, you know, I know that's going to frustrate fans that I know it frustrated fans with Kareem Hunt that he wasn't going to do it, but I, I like that. I like, I like that taking that stance. It's just that you, you just don't want that associated with your team. And it's one thing to make exceptions now and then, but if you start doing that and then all of a sudden, you know it's a slippery slope where you you do it one after another and uh so yeah i i don't see him making that type of deal at all
0: next question comes in from luke grant he says hey guys big fan do you think the jets should trade away Darnold for a pick so that they can draft daniel jones out of duke Darnold threw some picks last year so i'm worried about him i feel like the jets need somebody that can protect the ball better I should clarify that Luke is obviously joking around, and I threw this in because Chris and I needed a laugh on this Saturday. (laughs) Obviously, the Jets are not going to trade Sam Darnold, and there have actually been people that have suggested trading Darnold, getting a haul, and then drafting Kyler Murray. That is insane. I don't think any rational person believes that. Sam Darnold has not proven that he is a stud, that he is a franchise quarterback yet, but he has shown you enough to make you believe that it's very possible. So anybody suggesting that the Jets should do anything with Sam Darnold other than surround him with weapons and coach him up and hope that he reaches his full potential at this point is talking crazy.
1: Yeah, uh, the sarcasm was strong in that one. It was, it was obvious. That it definitely got a good chuckle out of me. But, yeah, I, the Jets have been searching for a quarterback for so long and I am in full agreement. We do not know that Sam Darnold is the answer there for sure, but we've seen enough that you, to say that unless you're talking about some type of deal where you can somehow end up with Mahomes. Or like something like that, you, you're not trading that away. We saw enough that I'm not going to sit there and be like, yeah, okay, I'd rather roll the dice with Kyler Murray, um, especially the way that the organization, his teammates love Sam, the uh, you know the chemistry he started the former Quincy start, and then at the end of the season with uh with Robbie, like it, yeah, it just doesn't make any sense. And uh, I know most people bringing that up. Or bringing it up sarcastically as a joke, definitely in this situation. But I have seen people like seriously throw uh, floating that around, and it just seems asinine.
0: Next question comes in from another one of my favorites, Jets Joe seventy three. He wants to know if the Jets can't get somebody in the draft who can step in and play center right away, should they consider trying to trade for Ryan Khalil from the Panthers? Now that the Panthers have added Matt Paradis, I think that Khalil is probably going to get released. I suppose he's somebody that if you have to trade a late-round draft pick, you could think about it or you could pursue him if he gets cut. The problem with Khalil is that he's pretty terrible. So yes. I guess you could say put him in there because you don't have a lot of better options. But I'd almost rather just get sit and hope that he can be passable at center as your insurance option in case they don't get a guy in the draft that can start right away. As far as Khalil goes, though, I think he could be a potential disaster as a starting center for the Jets. But like I said before, you could make the case that they're out of options, so I could see the argument for it. Even though he's pretty bad,
1: yeah, no, I wouldn't even make an argument for it. I, that, that's a hard pass for me. That um, just seems like a waste of everybody's time, honestly. Um, but I would, I would go more in the sitting route or just wait and try to get somebody in the draft or wait for you know training camp cuts or I roll with Jonathan Harrison like I know that's not what people want I understand it and I agree that you shouldn't be what you want but uh, uh, keep Khalil This, this seems like a waste of everyone's time
0: This one comes in from another one of my favorites. All my favorite people are writing in. you got a lot of
1: favorites, man.
0: I'm telling you, all my favorite people are writing in on the mailbag today. Sean Stalker, he says, Scott and the very big deal Chris Nimbley. I wanted to know, is there any interest from the Jets on bringing Bilal Powell back on a one-year deal? From all accounts, great guy on the team. Would be effective in a reduced role, I would imagine. I guess it really depends on his health. But if he were willing to come back on a one-year deal and he's healthy enough to play, I wouldn't be against it if he's willing to take a low cap number because, quite frankly, it's not like they have a lot of depth at running back now. And Bilal Powell is light years better than Elijah McGuire and Trenton Cannon.
1: Yeah, no, that's true. And you see this sometimes with running backs, especially running backs uh, you know, at that level and that caliber. Um, they don't sign early in free agency. They might not even sign till training camp or preseason. And somebody gets hurt. A lot of times, if you're a below level uh, running back, the best thing you can do is wait and wait until training camp. Wait until somebody gets hurt. Wait until preseason, and then all of a sudden you might be able to come in and just be, you know, have uh, get a chance to start for a couple of weeks or be the the backup was just a hair away from starting. So I, I, if, if I was Blau Powell, I would just chill and then relax, and just work out and be, stay ready. And then just wait. Cause we know somebody, some running backs getting hurt in training camp in preseason. Somebody's there's going to need to be somebody that pops up for him. Um, and, but I don't, the, the jets absolutely love them. Everybody loved them. I'm sure Adam Gase wouldn't be against it. He's he obviously has some familiarity with them. Um, uh, so I, I, it's not something I would completely rule out, but it's definitely not something I would expect. But if they did do it and got him on enough ca- a low enough cap number, he's definitely a better a backup than Elijah McGuire or Trenton Cannon. But I, I just I would expect the Jets to kind of roll with what they got unless they end up drafting somebody.
0: So many of my favorites writing in today, it's really incredible. Will at not since sixty nine writes in. Why does there not seem to be a market for Justin Houston? Also, the way the Jets are configured right now, do you think that it's Bosa or Allen ahead of Q on their board based on need rather than BPA? So the first part of this, I would say that with Justin Houston, there is either something we don't know about that is keeping teams away or he's asking for too much money. That's my guess, and then I'll throw it to you, Chris. As far as Bosa and Allen and Q, my suspicion is that If the Jets are presented with the opportunity to take Quinn and Williams or Josh Allen, it's all going to come down to who they think is the better player, and it's not necessarily going to matter that one of them is an edge. You could argue whether or not that's smart strategy, but I think that if they have Quinn and Williams rated higher than Josh Allen on their board and both of them are available, they'll probably take Quinn and Williams, which is something I personally agree with. Everybody knows that if you listen to me or follow me on Twitter. But that's my answer as far as what I think Mac is thinking. I think it's all all going to be about who he has ranked highest on the board and that's how he will make his decision
1: yeah i i agree with that um if you're just looking at it strictly from a roster construction point of view i would probably say that Bozar allen would make more sense strictly on that but but i don't think that's going to play into it i think it's going to be whichever guy mac has higher Or at least a combination of what Mac, uh, who Mac has higher, and what Greg Williams would prefer. Because if it's close, in Mac's mind, but Greg Williams prefers one or the other. Again, I'll talk, we keep talking about this. McCagden has acquiesced to his coaches before with draft picks. And, uh, you know, I know sometimes fans will use that to try to bail out Mac here. But the the pick's still on him. It doesn't matter if it, if he made that pick because of the coach or not. He still decided to roll with the coach. So that's that's still on him um so i think that they will go with whichever guy has the higher grade on the board there and then yeah with justin houston i think it's a combination that there's probably a little something we don't know and he's asking for too much money and then also you got to look the chiefs defense had very little going for it last year they had one good thing going for it they had a good pass rush between chris jones uh, d ford and justin houston and now they got rid of d ford at a for just a twenty twenty second round pick, which was all surprising to us, and it's not just that they let Justin Houston go. Uh, From my understanding, they, they weren't like trying to like really get him back at much of a lower number. Maybe it's because they knew he wouldn't, but it didn't seem like they were working too uh, hard on trying to do something along the lines of that. And that now they don't have a pass rush at all. It's just going. So and he's not exactly you know he's an inside guy so hey, there's there's something going on there's something that we're missing right here and you know I've I've heard uh you know a lot of other reporters talk about this too you know some of the bigger named reporters more, more, more plugged in than me so this seems to be something we're missing right now and hopefully that we get some clarity on that at least so we can start to make sense of it because it's not just the lack of Jets interest in him that's surprising me right now it's the lack of total interest around the league that's just catching me off guard
0: next question comes in from Sun Moon Rise and it's following up on our earlier question about the Jets cornerback situation is there anybody in the mid to late rounds of the draft Chris that you like at corner that you think could be a good pick as somebody that could compete with Derek Jones with Daryl Roberts and maybe somebody else that they get after training camp cuts happen
1: Oh, I talked about uh, Julian Love before from Notre Dame. Uh, he said that I could see being available in the third. He's somebody I like. Um, you know, I've I've talked to you about this before when it comes to uh, scouting and uh, looking at these college players. Generally, by the, uh, you know, a couple weeks leading up to the draft, I will have, you know, 90 – I'll have a good feel for about 90, 95% of the players taken in the first three rounds. And the players after that, I just don't have enough time in my day to really sit there and dig and watch all the tape on all of them, especially since, you know, during the season I have to sit there and uh, cover the Jets, the professional team. I don't have the uh, time to really break down the tape on that many different players. Um, so when it comes to like rounds four through five, six, seven, I'm going to lean on a guy like Connor Rogers. I'm going to lean on a lot of these other draft experts, guys I really like who, who can and focus on the draft year round. So in the next, uh, you know, next couple of months or next month or two, again, like starting next week, I'm going to start digging a lot more into the college tape. I still have to work on the top three round guys. I just happen to watch a lot of Notre Dame games. So I, I have a good deal for Julian Love. Um, but yeah, so I, I'll get those soon, but even, Right, but leading up to the draft, I really have the first three rounds covered. I I kind of lean on some of the other people for rounds four through seven.
0: Next question comes in from Midwest Jets. He wants to know, if the Jets do trade Darren Lee, what do you think they could get for him? I honestly don't think they could get anything more than a fifth rounder. It might honestly be something along the lines of what we were talking about earlier where it would be Lee in a seventh for a sixth. I just don't think he has a lot of value right now because his play has been so inconsistent. He's been suspended by the league. He's been disciplined by the team. We know that he's made a jerk of himself out in public and on social media, so if you're dealing them, you're basically going to have to give them away. But I do think somebody would trade for him because he has such a low cap number, and they might see some potential there. I would say at best you're probably getting a fifth rounder, but more likely it's a swap of Lee and a seventh for a sixth or something like that.
1: Yeah, I agree. As like I said earlier, if uh, if if the I think the rest of the NFL is sitting there looking and saying. Okay. Yeah, the Jets are clearly not rolling with Darren Lee. They would be willing to move on from him, and that automatically kills his trade value. If if he does have any value, like I said, I could ima- I could definitely see a team out there thinking the Jets used him wrong, and they could use him better and put him as a four-three outside linebacker and use him more. At this I could see that, but. Uh, but I don't see anybody giving up anything more than a fifth form. You know, maybe you could include him at, as some sort of package to do or something with a lot of other stuff, but I, I don't see anything of real value. And it is kind of funny because, I mean, I know not all, all fans are as down on, jet, on Darren Lee as a lot of them, but I, I see a lot of fans that hate Darren Lee, think he's an awful player, but still sit here and think that they'll somehow be able to trade him for something of value and that doesn't make sense to me so i he he is what he is he could help somebody else in a different role but yeah i just can't imagine getting more than the fifth and even that sounds a little bit ambitious
0: every time i hear somebody suggest that the jets could get A second or a third or even a fourth round pick for Darren Lee. It reminds me of that Seinfeld bit where George Costanza comes running into the office and says he figured out a way for the Yankees to get Barry Bonds and Ken Griffey Jr. without giving up anything. The delusion of the fan base thinking that somebody else is going to see your trash as a treasure. It's not entirely impossible, but I don't really see it happening. Like I said, Chris, fifth is probably ambitious, but I think you're looking at A sixth if you trade him, more than likely. Next question comes in from an interesting handle. Prepare for disappointment. Wants to know, is the Jets week one starting tight end on the roster yet? Now, this may sound like an absurd question, given that Christopher Herndon played pretty well in his rookie year, but it looks like he's going to be suspended by the NFL to start the season, so the Jets are going to need somebody else week one. I think you could probably roll with Leggett if you had to. I wouldn't be surprised if they made another addition. You could even see somebody like Austin Safarian Jenkins brought back. So my answer is maybe.
1: Yeah. um, You know, they could definitely be all right with Jordan Leggett starting the game. Like That's whatever. But uh, I I still think that the Jets will possibly look to add a tight end in the draft. Um, Whether it's just a, a blocking tight end later. Or, you know, if they can trade down and then look to try to get a fan or a Um I mean, something like that, I think, would be a huge uh, uh, move for them, um, something that could really help them. And then in that case scenario, obviously, it wouldn't be. Um, it's, but, yeah, I, I think they can roll with like it for a game or two. But regardless... The Jets need to upgrade the tight end number two, one way or another. Um, you know, Jordan Leggett, if he can stay healthy, can be a, a decent option as a receiving guy. They need a blocking tight end either way, and they could definitely use to upgrade as, as a second receiving tight end too. So, you know, they, they need to do that besides just looking at the first week of the the year and if it's a, if it's a rookie and then jordan leggett has to start for that week cool that's not a problem um and then he'll to bring him along i do expect that they will go into the you know try to look to at somebody in the draft again whether it's a blocking tight end later you know uh stern a stoneberger or whatever from te- uh texas a&m or uh you know look somebody earlier if they trade down with uh you know one of the iowa tight ends
0: Next question comes in from my man, Michael Christopher, who's always asking great questions. I love hearing from him. He wants to know, building on the question that was asked about Josh Allen and Quinn and Williams, do you think that need should override best player available in this case? Because the Jets failed to add a big-time pass rusher and free agency, and it's a need that they desperately need to fill. My answer to that is no And the reason is because I think if it's close, you go with the position of need. So if it were Bosa and Quentin Williams, even though I think Quentin Williams is the better player, I would go with Bosa because I think it's close enough that you make that move. I think that Quentin Williams is significantly better than Josh Allen and even more significantly better than anybody not named Josh Allen. So I would take Quentin Williams there, and I also think that if you have Quentin Williams up the middle with Henry Anderson and Leonard Williams, you can create a lot of interior pressure there. I have full confidence that Quinn and Williams with his pass rush moves and his ability to beat double and triple teams and just his overall football IQ can make an impact, not just stopping the run, but getting to the quarterback, not just with pressures. I think he can probably get sacks. And I think you would be looking at somebody that at the very least could be a Fletcher Cox type and probably significantly better than that. So that's my answer there. I wouldn't take Josh Allen over Q in this theoretical scenario just because Josh Allen is the edge rusher. I could understand why they would do it if that's the decision that they make. But I also think that McCagnan agrees with me and that if that is the choice and they have Quinn and Williams rated above Allen because we obviously don't know what their board looks like, I think they would take Quinn and Williams if they have him rated higher.
1: Yeah, I I agree with you there. And uh, there's the thing – you know, uh, we're not talking about a quarterback here. They they got the quarterback last year, so you, there's there's a bigger gap there with the quarterbacks. Where if you have somebody who's graded at an 88 at quarterback, you might pa- you might pass on the 95, pa- you know, defensive tackle uh, for the quarterback. Um, I would think there would need to be a, sig- a fairly significant uh, level of difference um in order to uh, go with the uh, position of value here when we're just talking about defensive tackle and an edge and then like I said I I haven't dug into the Quinn Williams tape he will, he is first on my list next next week just so I can continue having this conversation with you specifically as favorite <laughs> for you I'm going to have Quinn Williams on the the top of that watch list but I do know he can create pressure from inside and we've had this talk before about how everyone wants the edge the edge the edge but there seems to be a miscalculation that value from inside or uh, uh, rushing from inside has a lot of value too so if it's if it's anywhere close um i then it's not going to make a difference if if there's a huge gap there then then it would make a difference but uh i i think McGagnon's probably if it's comes down to Allen or Quinn Williams is probably just going to be whoever's higher rated on the higher rated on the board.
0: I'm honored, Chris, that you would put Quentin Williams at the top of your list of guys to watch because of me. I guess that means that even though I'm not a very big deal, I am very big deal adjacent now.
1: There you go. I, I told you, you're lear- learning, young grass. I'm bringing you along slowly but surely. You know, every now and then there's a little bit of a setback, but you're climbing up the big deal ranks just merely from being associated with me.
0: I'm learning at the foot of the very big deal tree at the moment. Exactly. (laughs) As we move on to our next question, and this is a very interesting one. This is from Luke Sweatpants Guy. I love (laughs) the handles of some of these guys. That is tremendous. Luke, that's good stuff. He wants to know if you could get rid of any player out of the AFC East other than Brady, who would it be? It could even be a Jet. So it could be somebody that you say you want to get off of the Jets. I'm Uh not going to go that route because I think that's too easy. So what I'm going to say is... I would get rid of Stefan Gilmore because I think he's somebody that could cause a lot of problems for the Jets receivers, especially Robbie Anderson. We saw how he manhandled Robbie Anderson last year. There are only a handful of corners that a know how to deal with Anderson and B have the ability to pull it off and nullify what he can do. Gilmore is one of them. So off the top of my head, that's probably the guy that I would pick.
1: Yeah, that's, that's a really good choice. Um, the Dolphins. Uh, who the Dolphins have that you want to get rid of? I mean, literally, is, is there a single player that really concerns or bothers you? There's, I'm sure there's a couple on the Bills that I, I could, if I thought hard enough, I could think of. But number one, the, the, t- the only team you're really concerned about, the team you want to weaken, is the Patriots. So the answer has to come from the Patriots, right? Like weakening the Bills or the Dolphins doesn't mean as much as weakening the Patriots, even though. If you weaken the Patriots, probably not enough to close the gap. At least to make you feel better. Um, my my first initial immediate reaction and thought was Gronkowski. Um, even though we know he's not the same player he once was, he showed last year during the playoffs that he can still make good big plays in the moment. Um, I you could make a case for Edelman as well. Um, but Gilmore's a good choice there, uh, though, because everything you said, he's. He, the best player to uh, you know out there. The biggest problem on defense now, especially with Trey Flowers gone. Um, but I, I can make a serious case. You know the Gronkowski thing. The only thing hesitating me there is that he's probably on you know one year left if he even comes back this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's still up in the air. So you might not want to waste it on him. But at the same time, if you can get rid of somebody who, who will make it, things a little more uncomfortable for Brady because he's so comfortable with both Edelman and Gronk. He is such a trust with them, and they he can rely on them. And if you can take one of those away and then force them to have to try to you know find somebody else to replace them right away, that might weaken them the most.
0: Last question comes from Mark Fisher, and it touches on what we talked about before with the backloading of deals. He wants to know why we think Mac would be doing this Is there somebody he's trying to save for? We all know the Colts have the most cap space. So what exactly is it that they're doing? It could be that, or it could just be that Mack is keeping flexibility in case somebody pops open that he wants to make a run at. So let's say a situation arises where they can go after A.J. Green in a trade. Maybe that's why he's doing it. Or an Antonio Brown situation pops up the way that it did out of nowhere. Something like Khalil Mack that happened last year. I think Mac might just be looking to give himself that flexibility and may not have anybody specific in mind, although he might have somebody specific in mind. Maybe he's gearing up to make a run at Justin Houston. I really can't say, but my suspicion is that he's doing it just so he has that flexibility in case something comes open that he wants to make a run at.
1: Yeah. And and if he doesn't, or you know, nothing like that happens, then they get to roll that money over into next year. So, you know, and like I said, it's, It is kind of odd the way that he's structuring it. I would think that he would have tried to stagger those, uh, the big contracts years with one or two of them this year, one or two next year, and then whatever. Um, But they can't always roll that money over. So, and then you brought up the Colts, and they're not spending a lot of money. And then you look at what the Dolphins are doing. The Dolphins are going to have, like, over $120 million, uh, in cap space next year. And then they get the added benefit of having no state tax. So if you're a free agent next year, uh, yeah, I, I'm going to be looking into some Miami real estate. Uh, like, <laughs> go ahead and take that, take all their money and not get the state tax. That'll be a nice little b- bonus. And, and honestly, I think it's a weird thing that uh, – a random little tangent here. It's a weird thing that athletes don't seem to take more advantage of that. Why why states like Texas and Florida that have that advantage aren't able to uh, take as much of advantage of it as they should. And I think part of that is because agents are pushing players to do that because it doesn't matter to the agent as much. But, man, if I'm a player like eh, – you know, Antonio Brown got a lot more money, but he's paying a lot more taxes out in California now. Uh, so to go to state tax, eh, that's huge. But, yes, yeah, they they can roll that, uh, that money over next year. So it, it gives them the flexibility if something comes up it, or if they're trying to work on trade wage trade. It, it, I can definitely see why you would read into it and think it's a possibility. I tend to think that it's more just about maintaining the flexibility to be ready to make a move and pounce like that if possible. And then again, worst case scenario, you roll that cap over to next year.
0: I'm with you, by the way, on the Miami and Dallas situation. If I was a free agent, those would be two places I'd be targeting because they are good places to live. There's a lot to do. The weather's generally nice, especially in South Beach. You don't have any state income tax. What wouldn't you like? The only reason you wouldn't go is if you don't like the situation that the team is in. But I guess with the Dolphins, you could probably get massively overpaid next year because they're going to have so much cap space to give out. So I think if I was a free agent next year, Miami would be at the top of my list for sure. Unless I'm one of those guys that's saying, oh, I have to try and chase a ring. But if my goal is to go out and get a great contract and have some place nice to live where the quality of life is good and the weather is nice and my family can be there and be happy, South Beach would be right at the top of my list.
1: Yeah, well, look at somebody like Ronald uh, Darby. He he went back to Philly on a one-year deal. So he'll be a free agent next year. I, I, got, I got to be sitting there thinking, okay. Oh, and Xavier Howard would be the guy to, to remove from the Dolphins, I guess. Um, but so I could be like, okay, look, go ahead and send me send me to Miami. They they're going to have to overpay guys. Uh, they'll have all types of money to spend. Get that the estate tax. It, that again, we are here. How it's about the money for most players, and understandably so, but. The overall contract isn't necessarily as big of an uh, an impact as having no state taxes. So that that would be huge. And, uh, you know, teams need to figure out ways to, like, take advantage of that more. But, uh, yeah, they're going to have a lot of cap space to burn. So, I, I like I said, free agents got to be thinking that. And, listen, I'm not the biggest fan of the city of Miami, too hot and humid for me. And I'm not <laughs> the one who can really go out and live up the lifestyle there. When I'm a young if I'm a young NFL player in my twenties, Miami becomes a whole lot more appealing to me.
0: No question about it. And it is a little muggy for my taste, but overall it's a pretty nice climate. It's a good city. It's cheaper to live there. Same thing with Dallas, by the way. Much, much yeah. cheaper than places that are high tax like LA or New York City, even New Jersey a lot of those high tax states are cold-weather climates. Obviously, LA isn't, but you get the idea. So you got to balance all of that in, I think, in addition to what the team situation is and how much you want to ring because, as Damian Woody said the other day, and this will be a discussion for another time, a lot of players don't care as much about winning rings as you think that they do. They care a lot more about getting money, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And Like I said, this is a longer conversation that Chris, I'm sure you and I will have on a future podcast, but for now, make sure that if you want to keep up to date with all of the latest and greatest that's happening with the New York Jets, you go to jets.com and, of course, the website run by the very big deal, Jets Insider. Chris, what do you have cooking up there, and how can people follow you on social media?
1: Yeah, you can follow me at cnimbly and at Jets Insider on Twitter um, and on Instagram. I, have, I still don't use them too much, but uh, I'm going to start getting into them, especially around training camp and OTAs. Um, And then over the starting next week, I said, I'm going to be digging into a lot of tape. I'll probably be, you know, the week after that I started pumping out articles on that. But now that the bulk of free agency is over, you know, at least the rapid firedness of it that I don't need to uh, sit on my phone the entire time and and try to talk to, you know, the people and sources and find stuff out. It's a little more low key. I'm going to go through. And uh, you know, break down the Le'Veon Bell. What what's good about that? Same with Mosley and Crowder. I'm gonna go- talk about these guys individually. And I I've I've got uh, you know, finally got the uh, business the the website set up uh, officially with the LLC. So now I can start pumping stuff out and actually making money off of it. So uh, I can start doing that, and I'll have a lot of stuff on, you know, like I said, specifically just addressing Le'Veon Bell and. Mosley, and Crowder, Assembly, and those types of things.
0: Head over to a very big deal website, JetsInsider.com. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcast, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.